is the Youth Worker Collective podcast from Young People's Ministries. You don't have to be in ministry alone with resources, coaching, games, and more at umcyoungpeople.com. Um, well, Jeremy, uh, I'm glad that we're hanging out again today. It's our uh, Youth Worker Recharge, which we do every Thursday, live streaming on Facebook, and then we record and release as podcasts through the Youth Worker Collective. Um, we continue to plow through the crash courses on youth ministry that uh, you and I wrote and published. And today is the last time that we get to talk about speaking adolescent. So, Oh, yeah. Um, it's been a really, really awesome collection of conversations to this point. Um and today we're closing it out with drama, emotions, and the teenage brain. Yes, drama, emotions. Like there is, <clears throat> there there may not be a subheading to better describe <laughs> the teen years. Drama, emotions, and the teenage brain is is it right now? I, my my own children are not yet teens right however i know some of yours are um have you noticed they are emotional (laughs) levels as they've kind of gotten into that adolescent age period oh absolutely i mean it's it's like a light switch goes off at some point you just the the emotional swings are are it's just a dramatic increase and and to my wife and I, and we've obviously having teens right now, we've talked about it several times, right? It's, it's like, wait, that just happened. Like Mm -hmm. it it almost feels like a week ago, we weren't doing this. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, and that's because their bodies and brains change a lot. Right. You know, and I think that's it, one thing that can be helpful for people is to think about the the body changes that happened in your own life um, from when you were 10 to when you were 18, right? Um, you went from having a child body to basically an adult body. And, and in, in the same dramatic sense, right, what's going on inside them um, it's going through the same dramatic change. I think that's a really good point to bring up because it's so easy for us to see what's on the outside, right? The, yep. the physical changes that a teenager is going through mm-hmm. um, and not and like that the inside stuff is changing that dramatically as well. Yeah. I, you know, there's, there's that moment and, and I, a lot of youth pastors have had this moment where a kid goes uh, on a bunch of trips during the summer away from church, you don't see them right from the end of, uh, of May to the beginning of August. Mm-hmm. And in that two or three month period, you, they come back and there are, there are times where you don't recognize them. Like you actually don't recognize them because their body changed so much. And, um, and sometimes their hair too, right? I remember we had a kid in that same period went from, he went from like shoulder length hair to like buzz cut and he shows back up and everybody, nobody recognizes him. 
And then his shoulder length hair was back like two weeks later because it's growing so <laughs> fast, right? Um, and so we bring that up because like it, it, it's an interesting part of ministry with adolescents because yeah. it, it is a stereotype, right? For teenagers to be sort of emotionally loaded, right? Or, mm-hmm. or prone to drama. Um, but there's right. some underlying reasons for that. And, and there are parts of that stereotype that are true. Um, and honestly, the way that you talk about it in um, some of the work that you've done with your uh, guide to teens, the weekly guide to teens mm-hmm. in their natural habitat, um, yeah. really pulls it apart pretty well. So uh, we're going to introduce some um, vocabulary words uh, and maybe yeah. new concepts for youth workers. And I'm going to ask you to tell us about the limbic system and the logical system. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so if, if we were on like, if we're doing a TikTok video, we'd be like limbic system or like an Instagram reels, you'd be like, I'm not that technologically advanced. And I am amazed how far I've made it in youth ministry without being on TikTok. Uh, I'm just confession. There you go. Yeah. So, uh, so the limbic system in the brain is, uh, it's motivation, reward, emotion that's what's happening in the limbic system of the brain and uh the logic system we we talked a little bit about that over the last couple weeks uh we used a word for a specific area called the prefrontal cortex and and that's the sort of logical system of the brain that's also the part of the brain that we that unlocks the ability to do things like understand metaphor have abstract thought um but in and, the end develops the most slowly, right? right? The later you get into adolescence, the more the prefrontal cortex is developed. Go on. Exactly. Right. And um, the limbic system, though, it's also in the same way that the prefrontal cortex is rewiring. Um, the limbic system is also rewiring. There's new connections between uh, from the limbic system to other parts of the brain. And um, and so and as that's happening, it becomes more sensitive. Right. So like it becomes more prone to the sort of overactive um, and it's being overactive. So when, when you have this moment, like it, it, it produces um, really big emotions and, um, and it can produce these emotions very quickly and, and new motivations, but in the same way, like, these like new motivations can uh, can become like over oversized, right? So <clears throat> uh, I, I remember there was a a, a kid that I knew. Um, I I knew him when I was when I was going to college. And, and one year, I uh, and he was like this sort of super skinny guitar player kid, like long hair you know, wants to be in a band and play guitar. That's who he is. Um, I didn't see him for a year. So I did college stuff. And I go back to the place, to, to the church where I had, uh, I'd gotten to know him. And he has in that year put on probably 50 pounds of muscle, hmm. right? He looks like a, a teenage bodybuilder. 
and he is in the mode of like, <clears throat> I don't know if you've known people that are like competitive bodybuilder people, but like they will carry around coolers with them with timers so that they eat the maximum amount of protein their body can process uh, all the time. And he was doing that. Um, and that sort of came out of nowhere. Um, but it's during that teen year that this, he had this like intense motivation to, I mean, like that's hard work, right? That is really hard work to do that. Um, and so he's, he ended up sticking with it. Um, but you know, you will actually, you'll see teens, um, get really into a new band, a new hobby, a new sport, um, <clears throat> and, and get a million percent in. Right. A million percent in. And then <laughs> a month later, they're done over it. Not interested. Um, that's part of the limbic system. The part of the limbic system that the people experience most, though, is the just the wild swings of emotions and like the inaccurate emotions. Mm. So I'm not going to say that this is a story about my own teenager because I haven't asked them about this, but I've, I've heard a story similar to this. Um, okay. But daughter comes in uh, and is hanging out for a second, sits down with mom and mom is like, you are so beautiful. Like your hair is so great. I so it just whatever, just complimenting her appearance and her intelligence and it makes her furious <laughs> she's like oh stop and and the mom is like no 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 i really i really think you're it's like, oh, stop stop and as a result of receiving a lot of compliments that many people would love to ever in their whole life receive mm -hmm. she stomps off to her room in a rage mm -hmm. Okay. Um, that's, that is the, uh, limbic system screwing things up. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, because, a, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, well, I was going to say there, there's a book that I read and, and it's, uh, several years old by now. Uh, I'll, I'll put the link in the chat on, on the Facebook live. It's called the righteous mind. Uh, why good people are divided by politics and religion. Um, mm -hmm. and, and it's not a, not a youth ministry book, but it is a adult psychological mm -hmm. approach. How do we deal with the opinions and, and emotions and thoughts that we have and, and end up in these different places? Um, and one of the images that, that, that author uses is that, um, the limbic system or like the emotional response to things, um, is almost like an elephant. Uh, mm -hmm. and your logical system is, um, like somebody who's trying to ride that elephant. Yep. And the better that the rider gets at controlling the elephant, um, mm -hmm. the more that a person can use their logical system to kind of steer their emotions where they want to be. Mm -hmm. um, and with teenagers, their, their riders are learning how to steer these emotions. Uh, but the yep. case that the author makes is that really the emotional response is the first thing. Um, right. And when that elephant gets going, right, when the emotions just start barreling one direction, there is very little that the internal rider or anybody outside of yeah. that person can do to get that elephant back under control. Yeah. I, I had a, another really helpful metaphor that I read. Uh, I, I can't remember where I read this, but um, I stole it and wrote it in a book one time. 
I'm sure I footnoted it though. Back to, but, you know, back to TikTok stuff. I've noticed any more that if people are like, <laughs> Hey, I read this somewhere. Actually, what they're going to do is describe a TikTok video to me. And yes. it annoys me so very much. Anyway, go on. <laughs> it's definitely not a TikTok video, but okay. that, that, so it's the overactive. So, so the, um, the idea is that the prefrontal cortex, that this logic center that we've been talking about, um, it is like the brake pedal, right? Don't do this. The car is coming at you. Do not pull out right into the intersection. It's just the brake pedal. And the, the and so it's, it's malfunctioning, right? It's not able to put the brakes on. Mm-hmm. And then the limbic system, the, the nucleus accumbens, the amygdala, like, the, like all of that stuff, it is the... <clears throat> It is the oversensitive uh, gas pedal in that like, it's like, it's either completely closed or completely open, right? You've got the, you've got, you've got no emotion, all emotion. And, and that is a bad combination, an oversensitive gas pedal and a malfunctioning brake pedal. Mm. Um, And it's, but that's what happens. So like, if you, if you know, sometimes when somebody gives you a compliment, there's, it can be embarrassing randomly, right? Mm-hmm. Just something kind of weird. You know, you're like, ah, oh, like you, you, but you say, oh, thank you so much. That's really kind, right? But in a teenager, the mom says, oh, you're so beautiful. I love your hair and you're so smart. I'm so proud of you. In an adult, might feel like, oh, weird mom, stop. Like, of course you're going to say that, right? But in a teenager, that, they don't have the small one, mm-hmm. small version of that. It's all the way over. Like, oh, stop. <laughs> right. And, uh, and, and that's the problem. <clears throat> but the other thing is, right, that's the, you know, when you are an adult, you might have that twinge initially of like embarrassment or whatever, but you actually generally feel good about it. Right. The, the, the first emotion might be weird, but then, you know, you're like, wow, that, I mean, that, that really didn't make me feel good that they, they think that about me. Um, so you, the other problem with the, the way that teen brain is working is it doesn't just um, give them strong emotions. It can give them wrong emotions. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean wrong in that they need to like, it's what you feel is never wrong. Like you feel what you feel, but I mean, the emotions that as an adult would not be the, the correct emotions. And this is where it's really, really important for us to understand as people who work with, with teenagers. Um, and it's why our safe sanctuaries policy or your, your health and safety policy, if you're not within the United Methodist church is so important because a teen can respond to you with that whatever that first emotion that comes up can be 100 overtaking them right and uh and and clearly i i had a i had a, a co-worker the other day um say something that i thought was really uh really insightful um and they they said, you know, whenever I am with a group of teens, I have to realize that one of them will most likely have an unrealistic crush on me, right? 
mm-hmm. because I'm being kind to them. I'm respectful of them, whatever. And, and I have to, and it's not realistic, right? I don't feel that way. Were they an adult? They probably wouldn't feel that way. Right. But their limbic system has at one point tripped over the attraction, the romantic attraction switch and opened it all the way up. And all of a sudden they are romantically attracted to the, the small group leader, right. Mm -hmm. Or whatever. And, um, and then they read all of those, all of the things coming from that person through that emotional lens. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and that can be really dangerous both for the teen and for the adult. Um, because if, if as an adult, you're not picking up on it because you're thinking I'm 65 years old, no teenager is going to be attracted to me. Right. Um, you, if you're, if you're not picking up on it uh, and there's nobody else around there's, there's no way to verify that you right. didn't say or didn't act or didn't come off as whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so I, when I tell people, when I talk about health and safety policies, safe sanctuaries policies, I, I say, look, the first reason that we have this is to protect kids, right? That is absolutely 100% the reason that we have this. But when you were talking about teenagers, it is also a protection for you because their brains are in this complete reconstruction and can make them perceive things just wrongly. Right. And if you were caught in a place where it's just your word against theirs, you're in a really tough spot um, because we've got to believe them. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's a really, really vulnerable position. And, and, I'd like to offer up two thoughts and then uh, maybe pose a question back to you, Jeremy. Yeah, um, please. The, the first thought, um, it, this was really an eye-opener for me as I got more experienced in ministry, but um, you know, us being ourselves, um, mm-hmm. we tend to think that there's just the one version of us that we put out there for everybody to right. understand and enjoy or whatever. But you know, really, we, we cannot control other people's perceptions or understandings or what they hear from us or how they hear it from us. And yeah. so, you know, for me being Chris, there's probably a million different versions of me out there in other people's minds, right? right. Um, in some of them, I, I might be really funny. In some of them, I might be a real jerk. I might be very rude. Um, I, in I, some I, of them, you only ever exist in this bedroom. Sure. Yeah. Right. Cause this is the only place that I'm able to, yeah. Um, zoom from these days, um, yeah. until my house is done getting built and then I'll be somewhere else. Uh, yeah, but, but, but that idea of, of just recognizing that the things that we put out there can be perceived in many different ways. Yeah. And when you've got a limbic system and a logical system that are just figuring out how to accurately perceive, uh, other people's emotions and other people's inputs, um, it can get complicated. Yeah. If, if we were going to use some sort of spiritual or, or Methodist language, right? Like the, people have talked a lot about heart spirituality and head spirituality. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, John Wesley would have talked about, you know, uh, uh, divine effects on the heart and the head. And it's interesting right. that we still use that language. Um, I think the thing that you and I want to make sure we get across in 
our podcast today is that um, all that stuff happens in the head, right? right? Even though we say it's heart language, the limbic system, the emotional response to things is in the brain. Um, as is the logical system and the interplay between those two things is the thing that has to get um, sort of straightened out and efficient and effective through the course of maturing in the body, right? So mm -hmm. it, it's your heart is the pump that moves blood around your body. And even though we might talk about heart feelings being centered there, um, it's the limbic system in the brain and it's the relationship between that and the logical system that, that gets things so complicated. Yeah. The thought and the question I want to bring up to you, and th this might be the last one. Um, All right. I'm ready for it. Drum has, roll. Has to do with um, emotions in the ministry opportunities that we put together. Um, I think that you and I have probably both right, Chris, been on, in do it. youth ministry situations where something has almost come across as like emotionally manipulative and almost uh, no, well, I've been go ahead. Go ahead. in ministry situations where it was only ever possible to say that that was emotionally manipulative. But go ahead. I'm really I would love to have had the experience that you had where I might have been once. I mean, per perhaps I just approach it a little softly. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, I I'm thinking about that because uh, as we record this, we're in the season of Lent. We're coming up towards Easter. Right. Mm -hmm. And and. Uh, the word for uh, Easter prep stuff, the passion, right? Passion right. stuff. There's an emotional connection. To that. And so all of a sudden you've got, you might have programming that you're thinking about or, or worship opportunities that you're thinking about that are going to be high emotion. So right. do we have any suggestions for youth leaders as they plan where you know you're going to have an emotional situation, but how do you... Um, pump the brakes to use your analogy for mm -hmm. teen brains that can't pump their own brakes yet. So that so yeah. something can be a positive emotional experience without it being emotionally manipulative. Yeah, no, that's huge. Uh, you know, here's the thing. Um, when you take a, a retreat or you have a really special experience, mm -hmm. there is nothing you can do to stop an onslaught of emotions at some point with the teens that are there. And if you're talking about a retreat or a camp, when you add to that lack of sleep, right? Physical right. tiredness because yeah. they've, they've been, you've had them running around all day and doing scavenger hunts and whatever zip lines um, that, that primes any human being for, uh, for, emotions right and, and i'll add to that uh mission and service experience as well if they've been working all day, oh yeah if sure. they're not sleeping in their own bed in the comfort of their own home and they're it, it it primes you for sort of paradigm shifting things go on right absolutely and and so i think there's there's two things first we need to just straight recognize that and talk about it right uh, talk about it as matter of fact uh, with our adults and with the kids, right? Um, I one way that I I explore that uh, I sort of introduce that idea is something that I've called the retreat effect, which is two people who happen to be on a youth retreat who would never consider dating each other in the whole existence. Mm. And then at the end of the retreat are 
are dating, right? And then they get back and they say, what, what happened there? <laughs> why am I, why am I dating this person? Mm-hmm. Um, it's because of the retreat effect. There's this heightened emotions. There's like, there's like tiredness. There's all of these things. It's a perfect storm for um, uh, unrealistic decisions based on emotions and all that kind of stuff. So I think we, we just need to, to talk about it first and, and, as a, it's a thing and, and we can, we can recognize it. We can do it in funny ways and, and that kind of stuff, but just like, Hey, this is a, this is a thing. But when you are, um, when you are planning your experience, you need to know that there are, um, well, it's like uh, the, the, there's a sort of trope in youth ministry, like the last night of camp, right? Yep. You know, I, I, I never forget it. I was, I was in a cabin, you know, I was like the we, rounding up the last set of kids, uh, me and another counselor. And it's the last night of camp. Uh, there was a, a sixth grader putting on way too much Axe body spray and, in the bathroom next to an eighth grader. And he looked and he's, talking to the eighth grade, he's like, is this the, is this the time when everybody cries? And he <laughs> was like, yeah, he's like, yeah, this is it. This is that one. He's like, okay. People have been telling me about that. And <laughs> but it is accurate, right? Like they, they talk about it. Uh, you know, it's going to happen. And so that means that like you have knowing ahead of time when those emotions might strike is, is when you just be careful. And make sure that you attach those emotion, that emotional experience to something that is true, that is going to matter, that is going to last, that is not asking them to make some sort of life commitment or, you know, spiritual commitment that they, that they're just making on an emotional whim. Are you trying to avoid saying altar call? I'm just asking. Alter calls are fine. They can be. Yeah. They can be totally fine. Um, I, I love alter calls um, because it, it, in when they're done responsibly, when I go to speak places, I, I think it is incumbent on us to help them make decisions right now. I don't think it's important. I, I think it's, it's bad to manipulate them into a decision that you have already planned for them. Right. And that's the, that's the emotional piece you were just talking about. Right. Right. Um, but I, I generally, if I'm going to do something that's pretty emotional, that could be emotional, I'm going to do that the very first night. Right. Because I, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to manipulate them. And so if there's something that deals with their emotions, their identity or some sort of pain they're feeling, not going to do that last night. Um, what I personally like, and I'm a United Methodist, I'm ordained, so I have biases. I like communion. Mm-hmm. It is the holiest thing we have. It's the most sacred thing we have. And it's the thing that we share with every other Christian tradition, right? Mm-hmm. I know everybody believes different things about it, but we share wine and bread, juice and bread with every other Christian tradition. So it doesn't matter. If you, if your kid is visiting from their Catholic family, right? Mm -hmm. 
it doesn't matter if the kid is about to move to another state. Like if the height of their experience of God, of their emotional experience with God centers around communion, mm-hmm. it's the thing that will last the longest for them mm. and is the most transmissible everywhere. And we believe that the grace of God is present in communion in a way it is not present anywhere else. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, except for baptism, but it's, it's even different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think that the most responsible thing is when you know that emotion is going to hit, make it communion mm-hmm. and don't make it an overly emotional communion. You don't need to add any emotions, right? Don't, you don't need to put up a image of Jesus bloody on a cross or anything like just make it communion. Do exactly the same thing that your church does, the exact same words. If you can bring your pastor there for that communion service, have them uh, celebrate that communion service, man, yeah, do as close as you can so that we are pushing it into something that will last them the longest and be the most long-term successful. Um, and then you have an altar call to communion, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and come receive the grace of God. Uh, and so I think that's, that's really important. Um, I can talk forever about this, Chris. I'm really passionate about the emotion, the way we use emotions, because the reality is, you know, when the emotions are happening and, uh, if you ignore them, uh, that's, that you're liable for what you're doing. If you ignore that. Um, And if you use them to make to uh, if you use them to subvert the will of the teenager, that's also unethical. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's, I think the the big key, right. If you're asking them to make a decision in an incredibly high heightened emotional state. Yeah. That is subverting the will and the decision of that kid. Um, and that's, that's unethical. Now, if you want to use that emotion to increase their passion about a a justice issue that they are, um, increase their connection to that, Mm -hmm. right. Have an altar call for people who want to say, I want to make a difference in the world, right. I have a passion about this thing. Yeah. Have everybody come up to the altar and, and, and say a prayer for them. Right. Or do a, a, a call and response liturgy with them. Um, yeah. But, but again, right. That's, that's being responsible with those emotions. Cause you know, they're going to be there yep. and you've got it. Whatever you're doing at that moment is going to be there. So you've got to be, you just, you just have to be careful. I, I think the the last thought that I'll add to it is just a reminder for youth workers um, that it's not your job to help them keep either the gas pedal or the brake pedal down hundred percent of the time. Yeah, uh, yeah. If, if you are only offering emotionally responsive ministry opportunities, yep. you will burn out. The youth will burn out. Volunteers will burn out because things can't be that emotionally 
heavy all the time, even if they're positive emotions, right? Like even if it's laughing and playing, it it has to be this mix of approaching both the limbic system and the logical system because God is in all the things. Um, And so if, if you look at the things that you do that, that you really think are like the meaningful cornerstones of your youth ministry, and they happen to all be emotionally based, Uh um, be responsible with those and, and look for opportunities to also mix it up a little bit. Right. And I think it's, it's also how we talk about Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and this is, this happens in our worship music as well. Some places only talk about Christianity in terms of like a burning passion, mm-hmm. right? Being on fire for Jesus mm-hmm. or all of that kind of language. Problem is people don't feel that all the time. Mm-hmm. And if Christianity is tied to some specific emotion, then when that emotional state fades, you feel like you're fading away from God. And that happens with teens as they get older, right? As their system gets figured out. And and some of them have a crisis of faith because they're like, I just don't feel it the way I used to. You're like, no, you don't. You probably won't ever. Mm -hmm. Um, But that that emotion was not God. That was your, your, uh, (laughs) that was your limbic system. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I know that we could talk about this for a long, long time. Uh, I do hope that people have been sort of inspired to pick up the Speaking Adolescent Crash Course on Youth Ministry. Uh, really has um, some great information in there. And then uh, we put in the chats as well the um, kind of additional pieces that Jeremy and I talked about today. Um, right. Specifically, the Guide to Teens. Uh, that That is a weekly email yeah. uh, that you can sign up for that you get from Jeremy. Um, anything you want to share about that before we say goodbye? Yeah, it's guidetoteens.com. And uh, it's a sub- subscription and you can get a free one. Just go to guidetoteens.com and you can get one that will tell you uh, how to deal with teenage boredom. Um, but it's all sci- brain science based. And so um, it's not really a religious email. Um, so you don't have to worry about what random thing I might believe uh, about God and, and how that might be different from you. It's, it's really just brain-based, science-based tools around uh, around dealing with adolescence. So, yeah. Yeah. I really do encourage everybody to check that one out. So Jeremy, thanks for the the really awesome conversation today. This was actually a turned into a very rich conversation, I think. Yeah. Um, and I'm uh, so surprised, Chris, uh, I'm having an emotional <laughs> response to that right now. Um, I guess I should say that, yeah, it's not just youth that have those emotional responses, right? Like yeah, adults get those too. And so, yeah. Even when we think we've got everything under control, there's times that that mm-hmm. emotional response will just take over and start plowing through stuff. Anyways, <laughs> um, great to chat today. Um, yeah. Look forward to hosting our Youth Worker Recharge next Thursday live. Um, and those of you listening on the podcast version, thank you for uh, giving this a listen and for checking out the yeah. crash courses. Jeremy, see you next week. See you next week. 